Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. And who remembers, at least, I know you remember many things from the message in Jesus' name. But what are the three words you remember? It is well that will carry you throughout this year. See, anything that happens to you, just remember those three words and just declare it. It is well. But we are so grateful that he'll be ministering to us this morning. And I just want to encourage you, open your hearts. There's a reason why he's here. He could have been anywhere else, but there's a reason why he's the one that the Lord has sent to us this morning. And I want us to prepare our hearts. Just say a word of prayer as we're going to the word and just ask God to genuinely speak to you. We're all hearing the same thing, but we're all hearing different things. That that which you need to hear, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that this would be another message setting the course for instruction, for correction, for encouragement, for direction in 2024. It will be light. The entrance of the word brings light and gives understanding to the simple. And so will it be as we go into the word of God this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let us stand up and welcome to the stage Bishop Julia Kulian. Hallelujah. Covenant Nation, are you blessed? I am so delighted to be in your midst this morning and I want to just thank God for this great assembly and what God is doing through you in this nation and beyond. Please allow me in Jesus' love to appreciate Lady Tosin for all the love, hospitality and grace we've been shown through her and the angel of this whole house in Pastor Poggio and you thank you for being so kind to us. We have truly, truly enjoyed our trip here. And Pastor Yemi, thank you for allowing me to be here with your family. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Um, I want to just uh, go into the Word of God so that I can finish what I started and, and at least make sure that it makes sense to you because I only got to verse 3. I need to get to verse 10. Is that okay? Good. So let us pray. Father, as I share these words with your children, May you be lifted up in this place. May you be glorified by the words that will come out of my mouth. I surrender myself fully to you, my Lord, my God, my Redeemer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to thee. I glorify your name and give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You'll stay with me, sir. All right. But you'll smile. All right. Hallelujah. I bring you greetings from Kenya and from the Fellowship of the Saints in Kenya. Um, I have some of them here and I just want them to stand up so I can just appreciate them. Um, thank you. When I met I met Pastor Poju through the lady standing here. Her name is Becky. She used to live in Nigeria. And she is the connection that God used to introduce me to Pastor Poju. And that's why I'm here today. 
and I'm eternally grateful. When we were coming, I said to her, please come join me as we give thanks. And she said, uh, can I come with one or two of my friends? So she came with her friend, Miss Kambua. And this is actually one of our country's top gospel artists uh, standing here. So I was, I was equally surprised to see her here. She's been very humble, seated, just relaxing. Uh, but in Kenya, they'd all be asking her for photos and autographs. So get, get yours in advance. And my son, Robin, is here. He, they came in advance and together with Kelly, one of my other sons, and Edwin. God bless you. Thank you. I just want to continue on faith that moves mountains as the Holy Spirit will give me utterance this morning. I pray that you will be lifted and blessed by the word of God. I dealt yesterday with faith that carries weight. I also tried to deal a little bit with faith that seeks knowledge and that's where we left off and something happened in the middle and I got off track and I went somewhere else. So I have to stay on track this morning so that you could understand where I was trying to go. Um, I prayed for the Holy Spirit to guide me. I also have a son here in Nigeria. His name is Zubi. He didn't stand up, but it's because he's from Nigeria. It's good to see you, Zubi. Thank you. Um, and so, faith that seeks knowledge. It's important for this understanding of this dimension of faith because there are things that you're being taught that get you to, one, understand the spiritual side of faith. Um, the things that faith is able to get you into. Where I find a disconnect sometimes is after we get in the sustenance, the ability to hold on to the things that God has given us, the things that we need to be able to be cognizant of. How do we understand some things on the other side uh, of faith? Let me try and explain that a little bit. Because God has given me access into the marketplace, um, and by his grace and mercy only, we have seen. One of the things I'm working on right now, I believe is going to be Kenya's first unicorn. And a unicorn here means a company that's valued over a billion dollars. And God's been so good to us. We're involved in real estate. We're involved in bringing affordable housing to the people. In a country that had an injustice of finance, an injustice of shelter, injustice of education, um, Kenya has the most expensive education across Africa in the private schools. And one of the things when they did the top 20 most expensive private schools, out of those 12 were in Kenya. I have very many Nigerian friends who fly their children into private schools in my country. Um, and these schools all began as mission schools. Which means most of these schools started <coughs> with the understanding that they were missionary driven. But over time, because we have the United Nations, um, one of the United Nations offices headquarters is in our country, we have a lot of expatriates from Coca-Cola, United Nations, and such companies. So these schools started getting, because of the quality of what we do in the kingdom, they started getting people from outside of their original function as mission schools. And eventually, they started realizing they can charge five, 10, 12,000 pounds per semester and people will still pay because what comes from the kingdom is good. And so people started coming in and, and therefore 
the injustice in education I'm talking about is that we've been called as the kingdom and in some of the work I'm doing, one of the things we want to do is we understand we've gone round, I'm sending teams round to go around the world and collect the best curriculums that are kingdom based and be able to give people access to education at six or $700 a semester. Why? Because what we have to do in the kingdom is to understand that there are certain things, once you have understood this side of faith, the grace you were given is not for you. If you discovered a great curriculum for homeschooling your children, if you understand grace, I need you to understand that that thing was not just for your children. Okay. There's a dimension where you enter into this place of being blessed, and God needs you to know that that thing was not just for you. So if God gives you a formula, so what are some of the things we're doing in finance? We've just closed some of the big deals with our phone companies and we are offering zero interest credit to people. Can you imagine? Credit without interest. Why? Because the usury systems that charge people three or four hundred percent per annum are not kingdom. You'll get to me in a minute, don't worry. And so we need to understand the ideas, the light that comes when that light comes and begins to shine in you, that light shines in darkness. And darkness does not comprehend it. So the ideas that God is going to bring to you are ideas that change the world. And the world will not comprehend them. So you have to understand that faith will bring you into a particular place. But you now need certain expression to be able to carry forward from that place for there to be sustainability and for there to be blessing on people beyond your family. This thing is not about your house, your car, your four-wheel drive and a six-bedroom house. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. Whereas that may be a primary recipient element of that blessing, I believe that what God wants to do with you is not only national, it's global. Uh. And so what believers must understand is that their light is supposed to go beyond personal agenda. And my work in interpreting that is to say, fine, so you've arrived on the other side of this door, now let's go for training. And that's what I'm here to do this morning. I'm here to train us on what happens when you come to the other side. So that there's not only sustainability, but there's generational understanding, and there's understanding of how you will be able to carry those things forward beyond your time. Okay, so faith that seeks that knowledge will bring you to a place where the pressing is strategic. One of the things I talked about yesterday was that we have to press toward the mark. So that means God has to give us the strategies not to be able to utilize our energy in the wrong place. That means I don't have the luxury to go for the wrong interview. It means I don't have the luxury to be at the wrong embassy. Because if he's ordering my steps, it's so that time can be redeemed. And if time is going to be redeemed, it is so that I can be able to accomplish some things within the agenda and timeline of God. As much as there's redemption, and that is a beautiful thing, I pray that those of you that listen to those that have gone ahead of you are able to use their experience and their stories to be able to walk circumspectly and be able to move in a way that gives you the guarantees and the warranties that come with being a son of God. There is no 10, 15, 20 years to waste. 
So use the history of others to understand how to have a marriage that works. Use the stories of others to understand how things work in the marketplace. Psalm 9017 begins to help you understand that God wants to establish the work of your hands. But as he does that, then you must understand what exactly does establishing work of hands mean. So now I want to then talk about this knowledge so that we can understand for dominion. We can understand for the purpose of dominion. One of the dangers happening across Africa, and I'm seeing it also in my country, is that young people have fallen in love with apologetics. And I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big, I understand that dimension of ministry. The danger is people may be becoming too smart for advancement. The basics still count. And therefore, I want you to understand that this thing is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So please don't get too smart for God. Um, I have a friend in Ethiopia who's done a paper, which is amazing. He's presented it to Oxford, um, and, and they're starting to understand it from a point of theology because he's speaking to those who look at the Bible uh, from a place of facts and history, and he's addressing certain things. In the body of Christ, um, he's talked about this paper. Please allow me to just go there for three minutes, then I'll come back and, and help us catch up on something. So he said, you have to be careful how you arrange your theology. Hmm. So most of us have arranged our theology like a library that is simply horizontal. So we have my book from book A to book Z, it's horizontal. So when I present myself to another believer, I find myself in a place where my thoughts about certain elements of scripture from doctrine to eschatology to different elements regarding election and the doctrine uh, of election and even um, uh, dispensationalism, dominology, how it is arranged is in such a way that from A to Z, if you don't agree with me on any particular thing, we cannot agree at all. And that is a faulty way of looking at theology because it's a straight line. Yet, Paul dictates that there are primary things. There are things of first importance. So, you have to arrange your theology in a way that is almost vertical, starting with the things of first importance. There are certain things we don't have to disagree on. And therefore, when I arrange those things of first importance, if there are things of first importance, it means there are things of second importance. There are certain things, if your doctrine is already off on, we cannot agree. For instance, if we are disagreeing on resurrection, we are already off. If we are disagreeing on the fellowship of the saints, we are already off. If we are disagreeing on the apostolic doctrine, we are already off. Are you understanding? If we are disagreeing on that fact that he rose again from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father, we are already off. Primary things. Now, secondary things that have to do with whether you should wear a weave or not are not heavenward. Whether you should wear a headscarf in church or whether men should wear dresses in church, those are things of secondary. Now, when I say dresses, I mean culturally. I don't mean on the other side of this spectrum, for those of you who are catching me. What we're trying to say here is we have to agree that there are some primary things of importance in the, in the, in the gospel. 
and that those things we must agree. So he's presented this paper and it is going quite some distance and we thank God for that because he's showing from Africa that we actually have solutions to bring to those people of high thought and high um, thinking in the way that they have arranged their theology to disagree with certain things. So when I see us disagreeing on things of second and third importance in Africa, we have to be careful not to make them of doctrinal primary importance because we can coexist on certain things as to whether we should have church on Saturday or Sunday. Okay. So, this understanding for dominion is important for what happens on the other side of faith. Because you must have some people waiting for you on the other side of what will happen when your faith matures. And so I believe Africa is moving. Africa for the longest time The throne of God is built on righteousness and justice. And when you talk about the expression of God, it stands on two legs, which is power and wisdom. And when you understand this, one of the faults of Africa is we've stood for very long on the lines of power. But the leg cannot stand on its own. Power requires wisdom for distribution. Um, so, when you talk about generation of power, I think in Nigeria you have what we call discos, right? Distribution companies. And when you talk about the distribution of power, you have to think about power from a point of its source, but it cannot help you from source. It has to have the wisdom of distribution for it to be able to reach this Marriott Ikeja for us to be able to receive the light that is here. So what Africa has had is a lot of power. But what we have to do in order to reduce our infant mortality rate, in order to increase our ability to change how people are dealing with health and finance and, 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 and shelter and all these things that benefit our communities, there must be an expression of wisdom in order for it to reach the final recipients, the last mile. Are you understanding me? So God must give us in our time because he gathered us and so the function of our fathers, Papa Archbishop Idahosa in our country, Apostle Joe Kayo, fathers who have gone to be with the Lord, is that they bulldozed apostolically to create a particular atmosphere and connect us to source. But now there must be a generation asking, why were we gathered? Why do we have the most saved people in the world? What is that light for? That light is for distribution. To think that those men gave their lives so that I can have a four-bedroom house and a four-wheel drive is an abuse of the privilege of the grace that was on their lives. This light shines in darkness. And so God has preserved, every, every time God wanted to preserve something, he preserved it in Africa. When he wanted to preserve Israel, he preserved Israel in Africa. When he wanted to preserve Jesus Christ, he sent him to Africa. I believe even the last day gospel has been preserved in Africa. The, and therefore, I believe the countries that originally God used to bring, it was so that there's a preservation happening here. And these men of God that were able to get that grace from elsewhere to be able to influence us, it is, it is an error for a son to be limited by the dream of their father. The dream of the Father should give you a foundation 
from which to start. So let me explain. If your father has built a 50,000-seater church, that is your foundation. It means from there, your dream cannot be to build a 50,000-seater church. You must move in a dimension that goes beyond that. Oh, my God. And so, could it be that a season for building cities has come? Ecosystems for preservation, a time when we must now go beyond the gathering and ask, what was the gathering for? So wisdom for understanding is necessary. Are you still with me or did I lose you? Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to make sure I don't uninvite myself from, from next time. So that's why I dealt with biases yesterday. Now, one of the problems with a transition season, I'll take two minutes on this. One of the problems with the transition season is that there was nothing wrong with Moses but seasons have changed. So what people struggle with is the transition from what they knew to what God is doing. And God must give you a mind that has the courage and ability to unlearn. Not that it was wrong, but because I'm doing a new thing. So people struggle with a new thing because they want to do a Moses thing in a Joshua time. Not understanding that there are two scriptures that are very important, Deuteronomy 34, 5, Moses, my servant, is dead. And then Deut uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 2, uh, Moses, my servant, is dead. Speaking of the same two Moseses, but in different dimensions. One is Moses, the friend of God. The other is Moses, the era. Moses, the season. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 2, he's not talking about a person. He's talking about a season. So what do believers struggle with? Believers struggle with understanding that Moses, the season is dead, which means, Africa, your time of me sending aid has come to an end. The time of manna falling from heaven and fully relying on me alone to be able to do everything, which I will still do for you, but now there has to be an understanding that in the dispensation of grace, and when we talk about salvation and redemption, we go beyond just um, the understanding of what I've done for you. There must be an understanding that in the redemptive work of Christ, there must be collaboration. So this time I will not just fight the battle for you, we will fight together. So, I think it is wrong to be in Africa right now. Hmm, dangerous statement coming. That's why it's dangerous to invite someone in the marketplace. But this is the wrong time in Africa for us to be receiving aid from anywhere. With all the amazing brains I've seen from Nigeria in different markets in the world, the people that I've seen that are changing so many things in terms of skill, knowledge, and understanding and have been able to craft these systems, we are no longer in a position where we should be owing China anything. We should not be owing IMF anything. This is the wealthiest continent in the world. So the time when we were posting, and it happens a lot in my country, when we would come as a ministry and then find the dirtiest child and put some ash on their face and make sure there are three flies on the right cheek and take a picture strategically to send to people so that they can send us money, that era is over. That season has ended and therefore the season of aid has ended. To be able to do a Moses thing in a Joshua time may be, may be correct but not right. And God is not correct. God is righteous. Oh my God. So we must 
understand that this faith that moves mountains will bring you into a place where God will release a light, but that light has responsibilities. And the people that receive that light must understand, one, how to harness it, how to utilize it. And so there are some things in 1 Corinthians 4, 2 that are hidden. And I want to share three of them with you. One of them is the mystery of Christ, 1 Corinthians 4, 2 that it is required of a steward that he be found faithful. Why? Because they are carrying mysteries. 1 Corinthians 4.1, if you could show it. Um, you are, when this faith comes, you are now a recipient of certain mysteries. This is a two-week course teaching people for three hours every day. I have 20 minutes. <laughs> so God help us, but I'll, I'll, I'll get somewhere with it. So. It says, the Bible says, can you please put it up for me, um, 4.1, let a man so account as us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries. I shared with you briefly that Proverbs 25.2 says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the honor of kings to search it out. Let's go on a searching journey and understand what some of these mysteries are. The first mystery I want to deal with is from the book I shared with you yesterday, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, verse 2. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God that was given to me for you. So grace sits on men for men. So our responsibility on this other side of faith is that once some certain things have started coming to you, they are be, be, beyond your oiko, beyond your household. Hmm. Then he says, how that by revelation, I'm in verse 3, he made known to me the mystery of his will. This is an understanding that this mystery has been made known by revelation. What mystery is this? Let's go to verse 4. Bible says, in verse 4 please, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. I did some research. So the first mystery I want to deal with is the mystery of Christ. I did some research on this mystery of Christ and it was interesting that this mystery of Christ was something that when I searched scripture, I was a little confused because Christ was not a mystery. If you search the scriptures of old, certain things, Christ the Messiah was not hidden. When the angel came in Luke chapter two, verse eight to 14, he prophesied by Isaiah as the child born would be called wonderful, counselor, prince of peace. This mystery was already known. Unto you is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. But that prophecy was already in Isaiah 40 verse 3. So Isaiah knew that there's a Christ coming. They knew it. It was prophesied of the suffering servant in Zechariah chapter 12. Um, in Isaiah 53, they said that he'll be rejected by the Jews. So it was not a mystery. So I wondered, why would you place the mystery of Christ there when it is not a mystery? Come with me, please. And you start to read from Psalm 1610. So the people of old knew that the Messiah was coming. So what is this mystery that is hidden regarding Christ that Paul is trying to show us? How that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery. Now, it's important you understand this, that what was hidden was not Christ. But throughout history, they knew Christ was coming. What they did not know is how Christ would reside after his ascension. Yeah, So come with me to Colossians chapter 1 verse 24. The mystery was not Christ. The mystery was Christ in you. 
the hope of glory. So the residents who now rejoice, where are we? Can you, can you put it up for me? Colossians 1.24, we are going to read until verse 29. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Continue. Whereof I am made a minister. I thought we were reading together. According to the which is given to me for you. Did you see that again? To do what? To fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hid from the ages and from generations, but is now Mayadada. So this mystery had been hidden. They did not know how Christ would reside. How Christ would continue to reside in, on the earth in his absence. Please keep the scripture up. I want us to continue reading. So it says, even the mystery which had been hidden from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Keep going. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. So the mystery is not Christ. The mystery is Christ in you. The hope of glory. So all of a sudden, nobody in those ages on the earthly realm had been given an understanding of how Christ would continue to be alongside you. So Christ's residence and how the tabernacle would work, and I'm coming back to faith in a minute, is that this is a mystery. So one of the mysteries we carry is that Christ has now been revealed to us, the Gentiles, and his methodology of dwelling place shall be Christ in us, the hope of glory. Are we together so far? All right. So I then asked, so what, what does this mean? This means that people did not know, all those people did not know how Christ would be continuing. If you can go to verse 28 and 29, let me just finish with that so that my next point will make some sense. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. So, as much as you've got this faith that the evidence of things not seen has started to become visible in your life, we now cross over to understand that even as I become the CEO of MTN, the CEO of da-da-da-da, the CEO of this global operation, God has lifted me. I need to understand I'm carrying something. Okay. The second thing that was a mystery is the mystery of the church. The church was not something that anybody in the past understood. Please come with me, this is important. And he comes and he says to, he comes and he says to them that from the time of John the Baptist, from the beginning until now, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. But even you, even the least among you, shall be greater than John the Baptist. Where is this coming from? This is coming from this understanding of what I'm about to give you. I'm still in Ephesians chapter 3. Where did we get to? Let me check if you're good students. Where did we get to? Ephesians 3. We did not get to verse 20. I'm, I'm still in, I think I was still in verse 4. Can we go to verse 5? Which in other ages, not, aha. Continue now to verse 6. That the Gentiles 
should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers by his promise in Christ by the gospel. Continue. We're reading together. Whereof? According to the given unto me by the effectual working. Aha. Uh -huh. Who am less? Is this grace that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ? Glory be to God. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning. Aha. Uh -huh. So this mystery called the church had been hidden in God from the beginning. Daniel didn't see it. Isaiah didn't see it. They didn't see Christ in you, the hope of glory, and they also did not see the church. It was hidden in God. What does this have to do with faith that moves mountains? Come with me. <laughs> uh -huh. Please, let's continue. I want to finish that scripture. Then now I'll preach for about 15 minutes. Can we continue? Is it up? Sorry, media team, I, I like staying in the scriptures. People already can see how I look. Which from the beginning, the world had been hidden. God who created all things by. So the fellowship of the mystery, which mystery? Continue, please. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church. Please come with me. This is English. We need to understand this. So it means that the mystery which had been hidden in God from the beginning has not been made known until Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus comes and asks his disciples, who do men say I am? Some say, some say, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're Elijah, some say, but you, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answers and says, you are Christ, the son of God. And Jesus is, people don't understand why Jesus was so excited by that response. You see, even demons had beheld who he was. But this was the key. Peter's response was responsible for, <laughs> it's, it's, it's as though God had given the key of a response to say, now, the timing of the church has come. What has been hidden from angels and principalities, what no other person knew, God had embedded it by revelation. Uh, he speaks and says, you are Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus looks and says, Peter, Sachsenheimer, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Which means, that word revealed there means it had to come by revelation. Hmm. Back in Ephesians 3, 3, how that by revelation he made known to me. Please come. And Simon, I say this to you. You are Simon. And on this revelation, you are Peter. And on this revelation, I will build my church. On what? On the fact that you have said, I am Christ the Son. Not, not on Peter the body. Some people went and built a church on top of Peter. That's not what he meant. He said, on this revelation that I am the Son of God. I will build my church. This is the first time the word church appeared in the Bible. I will build my ecclesia. So all of a sudden, by the revelation of one man. Does anybody have a set of keys I can use? Sir, so you have some keys? Do you mind coming with them? So 
He says, yes, sir, please come and stand with me if you don't mind. He said, okay, this one only has one key. Can, do you have, get for me someone with more keys? Yes. He, he, no, come with them. Come with them. I have to have the owner here. Come, sir. So he says to him, and to you, Peter, I will give the keys of the kingdom. There were 12 men standing there. Only one got the keys at that time. Why? Because he's the one who had the revelation. It means we can be many, but keys are not given to everybody. You have to have the revelation because... So I've just had a conversation with him. Can I ask you, what does this key open? You don't know. How? But because I have heard, by this time I just spent with him, he's given me the revelation of what this key opens. So now, I have information that you don't have. Because Peter had received the revelation. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. So, children of God, I can come here and shout, keys are falling. Keys will not just fall. Keys have to fall to people who have revelation. So, you must understand, what does this key open? What does this key lock? He said, whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven because you have the key. Now, he told me that this key opens a house. Let me ask you, what does this key open? Ah, now you have revelation. So now you know what this key opens. Why? Because I've told you what he told me. So how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. When I have that grace, I cannot sit with it. It is my responsibility to come and bring the formula to the body of Christ. Now, Jesus says that there are different kinds of grounds here. Some will receive 30, some 60, some 100. Some it will fall to the ground. Some it will fall on thorny ground. Some it will be taken by birds. The important thing is that information has come. What you do with the information is up to you. Tap your neighbor say, I hope I'm sitting next to somebody that has revelation. Because I refuse to go through another year with things just happening the way they were happening last year. This must be a time when I walk with revelation. Thank you, sir. So the church, all of a sudden, is introduced. Please come with me. I want to show you something a little bit deeper here. Angels, both good and fallen, did not know about the church. Satan did not know about the church. He did not even know at the point of uh, at that point how the whole thing about the church would would take place. He did not know how Christ would continue existing in us. It had not been revealed. How do I know? I want to take you somewhere else. Go, come with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 12. 1 Peter 1 12. Bible says, Unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, I thought we were reading together, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look upon. Which means when I have Christ in me, the hope of glory, and I'm the church, the angels are observing us. 
You're so excited when I tell you that there are two angels standing by you. What you should understand is that the angels are looking at you like a mystery. All they've ever known is the presence of God and the things of God and they are amazed that God from his deity can choose a man, a creature to live in. That is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So when I go to the marketplace and I walk into an embassy, I am aware that I'm carrying heaven. When I'm dealing with those contracts, I'm aware who I am. I'm aware what I carry. I carry the presence and the angels that come with me. They don't amuse me. I amuse them. I think they are perplexed when you get excited that you have angels. Haven't you read that you have an innumerable company of angels? So I'm constantly understanding this thing that I'm the carrier of the mystery. So I don't care if I drive around in a little Fiat or I drive around in an S-Class. What I know, every time the American president enters a plane, it becomes Air Force One. But I'm a child of a king. Every time I enter a house, peace comes into that place. Every time I enter a territory, something changes. So when I sign contracts, it's not the people that give me the contract that, that make me privileged. They are privileged because me, the carrier of grace, This understanding will help you know that God is giving me stewardship not just over mysteries but over everything that he has created. I'm a steward. So I have learned in those meetings whether in France, whether in the US, wherever we are. I was in a meeting in France and they asked me some very hard questions. And they were asking me, listen, what's going to happen when, the, you know, when, we, when we start to see the cargo moving into uh, some inflation points and the currencies of Africa start to change? Very difficult questions. And I was praying for wisdom when they were asking me. Then I remembered, I have a very smart CFO. So I looked at him and said, what do you think? And he responded in a very smart way. And, I, and, 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 and when he responded, I looked at them and said, so? Have you heard what he said? And they said, yes, that makes a lot of sense. I said, hallelujah, glory be to God. I realized I don't need to know everything, but I've been given the capacity and the wisdom to bring the right people in the room to mix things and make things happen. Somebody shout, I'm a steward. I didn't hear you. Shout, I'm a steward. God wants to release on you things that even human beings have not yet begun to understand. I said to God, how shall we deal with this shelter thing? He said, I'll give you the formula. Right now in my country, you can come, you will find us building. Uh, Lady Toyin, when you come, you will come to the construction sites. We are building. In my country, mortgages are between 18 to 24%. It doesn't make sense. I don't know how much mortgage interest rates are in Nigeria. Are they about the same? That means that if you take a 20 to 24 year mortgage, that in 20 years you'll have bought four houses. And if you understand where interest comes from, it's originally high. It's originally from the Babylonic system where you, the first time you hear of interest, its original word is the word venom. So the moment you touch it, it is poison that has entered your system. Sorry, bankers. But we have to do kingdom banking. We have to move to the Abrahamic style. 
I tell you this, on this one, Muslims have an, an edge above us because even their banking system is based on the Abrahamic covenant. What are you talking about? I am blessed. When you are blessed, then what? You must enter a place of responsibility to understand your blessing is for a generation. So, God has helped us. Now we have people are coming and booking our homes. I'm in the middle of building 1,070 units. We're building another 1,400 starting from this year. What are we doing? I told the church people, none of you is going to go take a 25-year uh, uh, mortgage from the bank. God helped us come up with a financial system that enables you to pay rent to own your home. It's nothing new. It's called tenant purchase schemes. But I'm able to move people from paying rent and put them for the same price into something that they will own. Because as much as I've told people houses are coming, I've waited for them to fall from heaven. They have not fallen. I realize we must build these things so that when the wisdom comes, God gives you the wisdom so that the grace that is on you can be grace that benefits others. Are you beginning to understand my theology now? Nothing sits on a man for a man. So if Christ is in me, and if angels are mesmerized, the angels love to look upon it. Satan had no clue how this thing would pan out. And God has given us this privilege. Hi. Can you go to 1 Corinthians 11.10? Did we already read it? 1 Corinthians 11.10. <laughs> I have seven minutes, please. For this cause, or the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Listen, this thing is, angels are looking at us and they are mesmerized by what we carry. They are waiting to see what this creation is going to do. That's why the earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Because what you carry is not for a car. What you carry is not for a house. Aish. I said to my wife, God wants me to build houses. Thousands upon thousands of houses for people. I don't know how it's going to happen, but now God has given us the formula. So in Nigeria, when you start to have those solutions, the fact that the Naira, I remember when my company was in Nigeria, we were moving some of our money because we were making good Naira. And by the time we were in our year three, the dollar had moved from 150 Naira, it was at 400 Naira. Same amount of work, half our profits, because our balance sheet was dollar-based. Are you understanding me? Now, I've looked at your Naira in the last one year. Hey, hey. Hmm. How, how do you derive the power of this? Let me show you. This is also our Kenya shilling. Yours has people. Ours has animals. We are so, we are so dishonorable. We have removed everybody. We have put animals. How... How, how, how do you derive the power of this Naira? How do you know how powerful this Naira is? Huh? By its buying power. But what is that buying power based on? Huh? Talk to me, Nigeria. There are some intelligent people here. The dollar. I heard somebody say the dollar. Yes. I can compare this. So right now, this is less than Okay, so 
you get your currency strength by comparing it to another currency and it's not the Kenya shilling, isn't it? I'm trying to see if I have dollars. Does anybody have dollars which I won't return? <laughs> give me, give me, give me dollar. You have served us so well, I'll return it. Uh-uh. This is, no, no, I need dollars. Because your currency is not on the pound. It gets its strength from the dollar. Yes, that is my son. This one I will not return. So, 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 so you get your, hi God. <laughs> Mama, can I come back to Nigeria to teach this thing for a full day? You, you, get, you get your currency strength from the dollar, right? Where does the dollar get its strength? So, both this one and this one and this one. And I think I saw some runs here. Yes, I even have runs. Ah, even the rand has animals, but they have Mandela at the top. All this money is made by man. It's minted in a factory somewhere, a money factory. Are we together? And when you look at this, you have to understand this thing. When you look at this thing, where then is the strongest one? Where do they get their strength? If you go to the treasury of America, they derive the strength of their dollar from gold. So man has made this. And the ultimate of what man has made is this. And this gets its strength from gold. Who makes gold? <laughs> so, so, he says the gold is mine. And the silver is mine. So, man cannot make anything of value unless he derives its value from what God has made. Now, God is saying to you, you are not a Nigerian. You are a son of God. And if you are a son of God, the way I bless you and the resources I bring to you are not determined by men. They are determined by me. So when you grasp these truths, you begin to operate as a child of God that can understand it doesn't matter the currency. What I know is that I'm supposed to build a hundred thousand homes. What I know is that I'm building organizations because Christ in me, the angels are sitting there saying, go Julian, go. You're amazing. You're doing something great, changing humanity. The resources are coming. The provision is coming. God has to give you the wisdom of Nehemiah. The story of Nehemiah was so impactful in my life. I named my own son Nehemiah. Because I realized that the secrets of how some of these things come is by giving you interpretation. Everything has been written for our benefit. And so you start to understand when Nehemiah is negotiating with the king, he's speaking because he's about to go do something for a people. But he's not just a regular cup bearer. He's an observer. By the time the king asks him what he wants, he's got a list that is ready. The list is ready. This is what I need. I need, I need for, from, the, from, the, from the governor of the forest, Asaph, I need this kind of trees. I need this. I need this. I need security. He has organized himself. He's speaking the language of the king. The problem is believers meet kings and don't know what to say. They've not been prepared on the other side of faith to have the language. Because some of the resources you need are not in a believer's hands. So God has to give you the maturity of the language to be, to be able to understand that some of you are going to build great kingdom things with Muslim money. Oh my God. You're not ready for me. 
The resources, I'll tell you right now, the resources we need in the kingdom of God are not in the hands of believers. The natural resources we have are in the hands of non-believers. God has to give us the translation. Listen, it's not by laying on of hands by someone's S-class that things begin to transfer. It's by wisdom and by understanding. How your faith works and how things work. Nigeria, you're not ready for me. God is about to change how some of you are speaking and I'm praying in 2024, your language will change. The way your mind operates will change. The way you walk will change. The way you sit will change. The way you grasp these truths will change. If you believe what I'm saying, say amen. amen. The reason I'm speaking with this urgency is because God told me in 2024, I want to make swift transfers. I want to make quick transfers. But my children must understand language must change. Hi. Some of the people that have blessed me to be able to impact the world are not Christians. But God has given me the language that interprets what they are carrying for me. And I see this year, some of you are going to sign contracts you never thought possible. Let me try them on this side. So listen, this truth we learn, Bible faith, Bible truth has a purpose. And I've seen it on the other side of that other door where once you enter that door, as faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, you start to understand that what you carry is so much it cannot be for you. The third point I was going to talk about, but my time has gone, was about the tabernacle of David and why it needed to be repaired so that you can understand what is the sustaining power of what happens on the other side of faith is that when God is exalted in praise, God exalts nations. So you are coming into this prowess and this thing. It is why I can be coming to Nigeria with the kind of schedule I have and the things I have. This thing is so important that others have to catch it that I understand that I'm not too big to preach. Why? Because some of you get a bank manager job. We don't see you in church. Small promotion. You start becoming snobbish. Small, small stuff. If you knew what God wants to put in your hand, that you can become something but still have the humility to usher in a church. Because some of you, you get a promotion. You get to move. I don't know, you're now senior manager at UBA. We ask you, why aren't you coming for choir practice? Ah, these days. These days I'm busy. Ah, I pray God will lift kings and queens in this place. That no matter where you reach, you will still be able to give God praise. Do I have somebody saying that it is going to be so? I want to pray for you as I step down. I want to pray that this grace will begin to work in your life for acceleration. The tabernacle of David was repaired so that you and I could have access. So that you and I could be able to do some things that have been considered. Listen to me. I'm seeing refineries are being built in Nigeria. Something is happening. Father, as I've shared these few words and these few minutes, I pray that grace is transferring. I pray that operations are beginning in the hearts and the minds of the people. I release Psalm 90:17 over your people that Lord, you shall establish the work of their hands. No good thing shall be withheld from them.
Yahweh, I declare over their lives good tidings. I declare over their life health. I declare over their life wisdom. The faith that moves mountains. People shall come to Nigeria to see what they have done. The faith that moves mountains. People shall travel from all over the world to come and behold what you have done in their lives. Lord, I know that among them there are champions. I know that among them there are people that will do things that have not been seen before. We commit the Nigeria financial system to the Josephs of this time. Listen. God is not raising an Esther. God is not raising a Joseph. God is not raising a David. One at a time. In this dispensation, Esther, Joseph, Daniel are all appearing. The ones that were written in the Old Testament what a picture but now in our time I believe simultaneously the biggest challenge in the church is going to be that Elijah's will be able to make room for Mordecai's to help them in training Esther because if Elijah trains Esther he'll produce an Elisha but what is needed in the palace is not necessarily another Elisha it is an Esther with an Elijah training and a Mordecai training. And I believe in this time, the Josephs I'm talking about are here. The Esthers I'm talking about are here. The Ruths I'm talking about are here. Let that grace operate in your life. Let that grace operate in your life. Somebody say, I receive the grace for the faith that moves mountains. When I return to Nigeria, I'll come back to your church. And I will teach you, by the grace of God, one of the greatest mysteries that sits on money is found in the book of John chapter 4. I will spend time and teach you what the economic shift looks like. And how you can begin to package and participate. And the language you require not just for ascension but for a dwelling permanent place in that area of dominion god is raising a people for a purpose you're not sitting here for six days of wolfbeck just to be saturated with knowledge this knowledge requires execution that's why i said wisdom requires distribution may this be the lowest you will ever be in your life by the time we come back in another year or so what you are is not what you are today. What you shall be is not what you are today. Why? Because what you have received shall receive execution power. Somebody shout from glory to glory. From faith to faith. Hey! Lady Tristan, there's a song. There's a song I had from Nigeria. I really like that song. I, I don't know what key it's on. Serve a very big God, oh. Hey. Uh -uh, that's not the one. I know which one you are singing. 